Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, November 7th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I am in the city. I am getting ready after we are done here to eat, shower, and get dressed and head to the final Broadway performance of the Pulitzer Prize winner, Cost of Living. And then I'm going down to the public theater to see A Raisin in the Sun. So my trip mm-hmm. is going very well. Um, I will, I'm will. i not going to get into reviews of what I've seen so far on today's show because we do have a jam-packed episode, but I will be dropping some stuff uh, both on today on Broadway episodes and in mm-hmm. Patreon throughout the week. So if you want to hear all about that, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. This week on Broadway uh, was released on Sunday. Peter, James, and Michael talked about A Raisin in the Sun uh, in that episode. They also talked about Parade uh, at City Center, which I also saw which so I'll be seen. throwing my yeah. shots in as well. Top Dog Underdog, which you and I are seeing on Wednesday. You will get sick at the Roundabout Theater Company, Straight Line Crazy at the Shed, Head a Gabbler from Bedlam, which I'm also singing uh, seeing later mm-hmm. this week, and much more. So head over to the Patreon feed or the regular feed, depending on where you get your podcasts, and listen to that. All right, let's get into the news for today, and let's start with the reviews for Almost Famous, which came out on Thursday night after we recorded, and because I had a flight that required me to get to the th- to the airport at 4.30 on Friday morning, uh, I didn't do a standalone episode, Likely so I apologize. Story. Yeah, oh, ridiculous. Yes, uh, very ridiculous. But do we're better at your job, jeez. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, um, we're going to start with the reviews for Almost Famous that are... Um, not great. Uh, of course, we know that the show is playing at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater for an open-ended run, and it is based on the film of the same name by Cameron Crowe, who now supplies both the book and lyrics, along with Tom Kitt, to the show. Kitt also does the music. It is directed by Jeremy Heron and choreographed by Sarah O'Glebby. The opening night cast features some uh, really fantastic people, including Drew Gehling, uh, Anika Larson, Soleil Pfeiffer, Chris Wood, Chad Burris, her Gerard Broadway Kansman. debut with that. Yeah, Highly Soleil anticipated. And, yeah, it's about time. Um, Casey Likes is the lead role, which we'll get to here in a second, making his Broadway debut as well. The basic log line for the show reads thusly, Led Zeppelin is king, Richard Nixon is president, and idealistic 15-year-old William Miller is an aspiring music journalist. When Rolling Stone magazine hires him to go on the road with an up-and-coming band, William is thrust into the rock and roll circus where his love of music, his longing for friendship, and his integrity as a writer collide. Almost Famous is a hilarious and heartfelt celebration of community, family, fandom, and the power of music. I think hilarious and heartfelt might be disputed by some of these critics, but we will get into that. Um, The review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 14 reviews. Two of them are positive, five are mixed, and 17 are negative, or seven are negative, not 17. So they, they collectively did not like it, in fact. They collectively did not like it. No. Let's start with Jesse, R., uh, Jesse Green from the New York Times, who was definitely in the negative column. He said, quote, I'm sorry to say that despite the intelligence of the 2000 movie on which it's based and the track record of its creators, the stage musical misses every opportunity to be the sharp, smart entertainment it might have been. In retelling the story of a 15 year old who gets sucked prematurely into the world of bands and groupies and roadies and drugs, it lands instead in a mystifying muddle, occasionally diverting, but never affecting. He continues, 
Almost Famous is one of the busiest book musicals I can recall. The stage so constantly and minutely activated with choreography by Sarah O'Glebby that as soon seems as flat and futile as an ant farm. Big moments like Hammond's acid-fueled dive from a roof of a house into a swimming pool barely register. The settings by Derek McLean are resolutely unspectacular. And even in ordinary moments filled with overdrawn caricatures slamming into one another, it's often difficult to locate the important information amid all of the empty industry. The same underwhelming overload hampers the music, which is obviously a bigger problem for a musical. Of the astounding 30 numbers listed in the program, only oh seven are, yeah, are what I'd call real theater songs. He goes on and interestingly doesn't spend a lot of time actually talking about the performances. He talks about them in passing, but never says, mm-hmm. this person is really great or does this or, you know, this struggles is, is really kind of just in passing and spends most of his review talking about how not good the show is overall, which seems yeah. to be fairly, um, fairly consistent. Brittany Samuel, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, unfortunately, when an original musical doesn't actually have anything original to say, every note falls flat. Uh, similarly, Frank Rizzo of Variety said, quote, one more thing the show misses, a respect that musical theater is an art form, too, and not just a commercial commodity, something Lester Bangs, one of the characters, could relate to. Now, we can debate whether a Broadway musical is more commercial commodity than art form, but musical theater in general. Yeah, OK, I exactly. will. Uh, I will agree with. I'll to let a certain it pass. Extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jackson McHenry writing for Vulture said, quote, this almost famous gives you all that and the music, but it also wants to be everyone's friend, cozy and familiar. There's no mud and guts to be found here, which is one of the things that the original film really kind of peels away and shows you some yep, of the, totally. the reality there. Um, interestingly, uh, but Audrey D. Chaudhry writing for Did They Like It? actually did really like it. She said, quote, like a good old friend, almost famous takes you on a trip and brings you home safely. For two hours, I sat back humming along, grateful I chose to share a profession with greats like Bangs, Fong Torres, and Miller, who are characters in, in the show. Um, overall, it, it's not great. I will, I will end with Juan A. Ramirez of Theaterly, who said, quote, it is a production so dull with poor direction, ugly sets, uninteresting music, and flat performances that it really needed exist at all. I mean, I don't know how. Yikes. Yeah, that's how great. Much that's more as, negative that's as blatant get. as you can get as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what it is. And, um. I, <sighs> I'm annoyed at this. I'm really annoyed because I, I think it's, Fair to say I had more optimism regarding this than you did. So at least to Fair. hold out hope a little bit. And this is just really the epitome of everything that everyone has a problem with with movie to musical adaptations. Lazy and unimaginative. And everyone, I mean, the cast is phenomenal, but nobody is being used to their full potential. So, like you said in that first review, the performances aren't even worth mentioning, which is so sad. That's so sad to me that the cast isn't even worth talking about because the show is so bad. Yeah, I know James had some thoughts. Like, he thought that there was a few... Um, performances that were really great. Uh, Nika Larson, Soleil Pfeiffer, um, okay. William Likes, who is the the main character. He thought those performances were great. Didn't think much else was very good with it, but like he thought the performances no. were really good. So 
I don't know. I mean, I, this yeah. one's a little different for me than like something like, I don't know, like Pretty Woman or Mrs. Doubtfire, which were things that were taken by other people. This is Cameron Crowe working on his original material, which is in itself yeah. fairly autobiographical. So like there's a difference and here between – in I, itself infuriating because yeah, why well, bother? I, well, and I think part of the problem here is is that it doesn't have the shorthand of a musical theater – expert. And I think the fact that we are getting um, Cameron Crowe, who is certainly an expert at filmmaking, um, trying to kind of recreate some of the magic he had there with somebody sure. who, as I have said, uh, from a composer standpoint, you adore. Pretty yeah. dull. I mean, pretty yeah, dull. Your favorite. As far as your I'm concerned. favorite composer. And I don't know much about um, director Jeremy Heron. Um, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of crafting going on that should have been um, part of this whole process. But um, Jeremy Heron did he yeah. did Wolf Hall um, on Broadway like in See? 2015, and he was the one who did the noises off for Roundabout a few years ago. Sensational, but, incredible. Yeah, but not a lot of musical theater in there. That's the uh, yeah. This is his first Broadway no, musical. But it's- It's still the structure of a Broadway show, or any show for that matter, and if every review is going to complain that your show is dull and unimaginative and the sets are bad and everything else, like, it's, you know, obviously Cameron coming into this and not doing musical theater before, that's one thing, but if you have a team of people who are, whether they've done musical theater in the past or not, and have just done straight plays, they're still experienced professionals and should know what a show is supposed to look like, and this clearly wasn't it infuriating i hate it <laughs> well all right let's <laughs> let's move on from this yeah let's move on from this unfortunately we do have some really sh- sad and, and shocking news to be quite honest with you that we need to share mm-hmm. um it was uh, announced on friday that uh, on thursday oscar and tony award nominee douglas mcgrath suddenly died in new york city you might remember i interviewed douglas last yeah. month um, for his off-broadway show everything's fine uh that was playing at the dr2 theater and he seemed great i mean you know he died at the age of 64 um and i i don't really even know much to say about this as we talked about at the time he had an incredible career uh, as a writer and as an actor too, but um, primarily as a writer, he was nominated for an Academy Award for co-writing Bullets Over Broadway. He was nominated mm-hmm. for a Tony Award for writing the book for Beautiful the Carol King musical. He was also a director of both films and documentaries, including most recently Becoming Mike Nichols, another theater connection there for yeah. HBO in 2016, which is a fantastic film. Great. Amazing. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he wrote and directed um, both Emma and Nicholas Nickleby, um, th- those films as well. And it just uh, really shocking, seemed completely out of nowhere. The company of everything's fine put out a statement and said quote the company of everything's fine was honored to have presented his solo autobiographical show everyone who worked with him over the last three months of production was struck by his grace charm and droll sense of humor and sends Mm -hmm. deepest uh, condolences to his family so many people from the beautiful history people who have been a part of the musical beautiful i saw putting out just really touching tributes to him about how supportive and lovely and and wonderful he was to work with just very kind and i don't know you just interviewed him a month or two ago and i don't know what your gauge of him was like but he's 
has always seemed like a very generous person. Yeah, he was great. I mean, obviously, it's it's tough to get a, you know, a true sense of somebody in a yeah, phone interview course. for, you know, 30, 25, 30 minutes. But he was wonderful and warm and funny and generous. And, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, this, you know, when you do interviews, it's just like people are fine interview subjects, but they don't really they don't you know, they're just doing their thing. They're, they're promoting yeah, their thing. Yeah, it's, it's a job. job. It's, it's a, part of exactly. their job, which which is not a problem. Like, I don't have a problem. Do you know, do your job. That's no, fine. It's part of the biz. Yeah, but then there are some people who just seem to like really enjoy the conversation about their work, and he was one of them. And so we are very much yeah. saddened by this, and send our our thoughts out to um, his son and 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 wife and, and everything. So, all right. Um, unfortunately, there is another passing that we want to talk about that does have not nearly as much theater connections, but uh, does have some. The pop star and uh, occasional actor Aaron Carter passed away over the weekend. Um, he was seen. Um, off Broadway in the Fantastics and has done a, a number of other things theater related, including he was in Susicle on Broadway as a child. He appeared on Dancing with the Stars and he's the younger brother of, of uh, Backstreet Boy Nick Carter. Mm-hmm. If you followed along with his career and life since he was a child and a, you know, a, a teeny bopper, a tiger beat type star. He's had a very difficult life. I did. With, trust me. Yeah. Lots of, lots of issues, whether it is drug related and health related, that has nothing to do with, um, with his, his drug issues, a lot of family yeah. issues, a lot yeah. of mental health issues. So this is sad in every imaginable way. And uh, our thoughts are, with uh, everybody who knew and loved him both personally and professionally. All right, let's get into this week's theatrical schedule. It is a very busy one, so I'm just going to run through it um, pretty quickly here. On Tuesday, we have the first Broadway preview of the one-man uh, a Christmas Carol starring Jefferson Mays. That'll be playing the Nederlander Theater through January 1st. It is directed by Michael Arden. So when all you have to say is That's Michael it. Arden, Jefferson Mays, I'm like, yeah. holy crap, this <laughs> is... in it. I, yeah, I, this will be on my December trip for sure, whether I can get comps or not. I, I cannot miss this one. I so may or may not have looking- a comp for you if that's the case. Oh. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, then, then on Wednesday, we have the first Broadway preview of Ain't No Mo. It has been delayed. Obviously, they had some COVID issues, so they will be um, starting their performances on the 9th. Opening night is now scheduled for December 1st at the Belasco Theater, uh, written by Jordan E. Cooper, who is one of the stars of the show, and um, directed by C.V. Walker-Webb. Uh, this is a show that Grace is very much looking forward to, so I hope yeah. that it goes very well for everybody um, over at the Blasco. Also happening on Wednesday is the opening night of the Public Theater's off-Broadway show, Where We Belong. Um, it is uh, by Madeline Sayet and directed by May Ann Tio. Um, it is produced by the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company. It is not much that I actually um, know about. This is a show that is kind of flown under my radar, but I'll read you the description here real quick just because we haven't talked about it. But uh, in 2015, um, Mahegan theater maker Madeline Syatt moved to England to pursue a PhD in Shakespeare, grappling with the question of what it means to remain or leave as the Brexit vote threatens to further uh, disengage the UK from the wider world. Moving between nations that have failed to reckon with their ongoing roles in colonialism, she finds comfort in, in the journeys of her native ancestors who had to cross the ocean in the 1700s to help her people. So really fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, excited about that and uh, looking forward to reading the reviews on that. This one is currently scheduled to run through November 27th. 
And produced by Woolly Mammoth, too, as always does amazing work. Also, 80 Minutes, No Intermission, my favorite words. Yes, you got to love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then on Thursday, November 10th, we have the Broadway opening for Kimberly Akimbo at the Booth Theater. This is a show that I think will feature very heavily in the uh, Tony Awards conversation this coming season. It features a book and lyrics by David Lindsay Abair and is uh, based on his play of the same name. So this is something that we are uh, – a, a story that has been mm-hmm. part of the theatrical con- conversation for quite a while here. It uh, features a score and music by Janine Tesori and is directed by Jessica Stone and choreographed by Danny Mefford. It originally premiered in the fall of 2021 at the Atlantic Theater Company. The yes, entire off-Broadway cast has come with it, and that Thank includes – yeah, that includes Victoria Clark as Kimberly, Stephen Boyer, Ali Mozzie, uh, Bonnie Milligan, and more. Just a really, Future really... Future Tony winner, Bonnie Milligan, please. At least a nominee. Uh, we'll see oh, what happens. unquestionably. Yeah, for this. I mean, she's going to win a Tony yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. For this yeah. role, at least a nomination. Um, we will see what happens here. I think Victoria Clark, depending on what else comes in, is mm-hmm. the front runner for Best Actress in a Musical. And she should uh, be. I will say. Yeah. And I think you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like, there's some things that will come in that will probably, depending on how things fall, yeah. uh, very well possibly could contend with her. when they come in, if they have time yes. to come in. Yes. There's one that will be coming in. I think it'll just depend on who gets or where the, the possible contender gets placed, whether it's in Best Actress or Best Featured Actress. Yeah. Um, but Victoria Clark has one Tony nomination or one Tony Award and three other nominations. I think she is very much in the front runner spot for another one, at least nomination, if not for a win. Then on Friday, we have the first Broadway preview of the uh, of the play Ohio State Murders at the James Earl Jones Theater, the inaugural show at the newly renamed James yeah, Earl Jones Theater. Exciting. This is the Broadway debut of 90-year-old Adrian Kennedy. Uh, it is directed by Kenny Leon and has a fantastic cast, including Audra McDonald, Bryce Pinkham, and more. Um, All you got to say gonna... is Audra McDonald, and that's the end yes, of that's conversation. True. Go get your tickets it, now. It is currently scheduled to run through February 12th, which is just a kind of an interesting um, – that's really kind of an interesting run to start in mid-November, open on December 8th, and then close in February because normally these things – you know, just kind of disregard January if, yeah. if they're going to close that soon. If it's going to run through the the spring, that's a different thing. But a kind of an interesting thing. But yeah. when you have Audra McDonald, you doing a show, you I guess you just do it when you can. It's also true. Also, it's the they know that they're going to have a chance to tourism season, and they probably have something else coming in the spring that they want to have a short run for this before. Absolutely. Uh, on Saturday is the official opening day of the Museum of Broadway, which you and I I think are going to go see on Thursday. Right? Yeah. Has that been confirmed? Whenever I get my new confirmation, surely. Great. But I'll absolutely. be there regardless whether yeah, they confirm absolutely. me or not. I will be there. Yeah. Um, so we have that. And then on the Sunday, the 13th, we have the official opening night of Mike Birbiglia, the man, uh, the old man in the pool at the Lincoln Center Theater, Vivian Beaumont Theater. Um, this one is, we've talked about last week, had recently gotten an extension through January yeah. 15th, written by Mike Birbiglia with uh, contributions from story consultant Ira Glass, directed yeah. as all of Birbiglia's shows usually are by Seth Barish. 
Also happening on Sunday, November 13th, is the return engagement, the first preview of the return engagement of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish from the National Yiddish Theater Folk Spain. This was a huge hit um, off-Broadway originally. I loved it originally. I'm very glad that it is having an opportunity to come back. I get to see it next Thursday, the 17th. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. All right, real quick, some other news that I want to make sure that we get into. It was announced on Friday that the current cast of Queens and Six on Broadway will de- will all be departing the show on December 4th. So that includes original Broadway stars Andrea McCassett, Brittany Mack, and Samantha Polly, as well as some of the other folks who have come in um, since then. So kind of interesting that some of the folks are um, – leaving fairly soon some of the replacements have only been in there for a while but maybe they have other things i don't know it seems kind of interesting that they're all leaving on the same date clean house i know yeah i'm very interested very very interested to see who the new cast will be they did say new cast announcements will be made in the next few days so i'm assuming that could be today um so we'll see it'll be very interesting to see how they decide to go about that another return trip for you Depending on who it is, depending on, I mean, you know, based on their track record, based on their track record, I don't shabby. know that they're going to go. Yeah, but I don't know that they're going to go um, big names. I think that, you know, kind of based on what they're doing, it very well might just be um, some unknown folks or some up and coming uh, people that we don't know. Yeah, love not, it. not upset about that. Um, this is a show that we've talked about before, and it's not technically theater. It's technically an opera, but I figured it was worth discussing. Um, starting later this month, November 22nd, Kelly O'Hara, Renee Fleming, and Joyce D. Donato will star in the world premiere staging Hours, of the yes. Opera of the Hours, which is obviously the Academy Award uh, winning film of the same name. I'll have all that information in the show notes if you want to check that out. And then we are running late, so I'm just going to drop in this article from uh, the Broadway Journal, Philip Boroff goes deep into the fact that the SEC is probing some big, uh, some hedge fund people who have gotten involved with Broadway and everything from Hades Town to, um, uh, some, oh, I forget the rest of the shows, the kite runner, um, and some other things in there that they might be doing some shady stuff in there. Um, these are two people that have co-produced yeah, stuff with. Yeah, with Hunter Arnold. Hunter Arnold is not involved in these allegations from the SEC. Hunter Arnold is one of the most um, in-demand producers on Broadway. He is not yeah. being accused of anything in here, so I want to make sure that we say that. <laughs> make that clear, yeah. Make that clear. Don't need any lawsuits there. <laughs> no, thank but, you. Yeah, but they have this fund, this hedge fund, has stakes in Dear Evan Hansen and Hadestown, as well as getting the band back together and the 2017 revival of M. Butterfly. However, basically what it looks like is, is that their investments in this have, like, quadrupled in size, which seems unusual based off of the track record of some of the shows that they've produced. Obviously, Dear Evan Hansen and Hadestown are hits, but it doesn't really – the numbers don't match up. So the SEC is yeah. investigating whether or not there is some shady – Shady financial dealings going on. You can make more money with a flop than with a hit. I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard that before. Just for me, because someone's still never seen the show. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the movie. (laughs) I saw the original movie. I've just never seen the musical. Mm, mm -mm. Anyway, all right. Feel good recommendation. Let's get out of here on this Netflix released um, the track from the upcoming Matilda the Musical song, Revolting. It is fantastic. Check it out. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.